Welcome. On Behind the API, we talk to people who work to build awesome API products about their journey, learnings, and overall approach. On today's session for Behind the API, we're joined by the legend, Matthew James. Currently at Kodak, Matthew is the ultimate uh, launch solution designer with customers uh, collaborating for Kodak experiences. So Matt, thanks for being here today. And to start us off, what is Kodak and why does it have you excited? Hey, Kirby, thanks for having me. I feel very lucky to be here. We were just talking about this, but compared to some of your other guests, I feel like just a guy who plays with an API sometimes. Not but true. To get right into it, Kodak is basically the answer to the question, what if you could have easy standardized access to small business data? So any kinds, let's narrow that in a little bit. So Kodak provides integrations in a standardized format to three broad sources. So that's accounting, banking, and commerce data sets. Now, who's this useful for? Usually two kinds of parties. One, you're offering some sort of financial product. So you need to be able to interface with their QuickBooks or their bank accounts or their e-commerce platform so you can see their revenue. And the other kinds of players are people who are offering services direct to that small business. So maybe that's an accounts payable solution. Uh, saving the business time, instead of having to go through 100 bills in a month, you get it all once, click a button, and it's done. So those are our two sort of sides. And at the end of the day, Kodak really is making life easier for small businesses. I got excited about it for that primarily, but when I see also what kinds of things people are doing with the product, that really gets me excited too. Because we were formed out of a lender. That's what would be first obvious use case was. The founders actually were tasked with going to build API integrations. And they're like, we should just be able to buy a product that does this. But the product didn't exist. So they went and founded Kodat. And four and a half years later, here we are. So some of the things that we never imagined, though, things like R&D tax credits, huge. And some exciting people doing ESG reporting, also very cool, sort of on the forefront of where business is going. And then also like, Every other client also just gets me excited. Yeah, I've definitely been uh, a customer of one of the Matthew James uh, solution design sessions because I feel like oftentimes people show up with one use case, but then once learning about the breadth of what Kodad offers, you know, and has grown into and has continued to grow into, there's a lot more creativity that can be unlocked. Now, before we go into more of that, let's start a little bit in your API journey. So how does a person with an economics background find themselves nerding out in APIs in the high rise of New York City at a cool FinTech? We can do a little history lesson on me. So my economics degree, as you've mentioned, that was from Wheaton College back in the day. Definitely skills that I use every single day. Really, bachelor's degree, so worth it. Um, of course, <laughs> I, I enjoyed every minute, but you know how bachelor's degrees go. The one thing that happened to me while I was there was I went through a couple of sort of soul searching moments. I thought I was gonna be a lawyer. I thought I was gonna be a doctor. And then at one point I thought I was gonna be the next big mathematician. So I'm studying for some courses in mathematics and we had to take an introductory coding course. And so that's where I kind of got my first exposure to it. I'd always liked playing around with things like even with my hands on the technical side. So I really enjoy making music. When you are trying to get a signal path established from microphone to your computer, it uses similar parts of your brain as to when you're trying to get an API to work. Because you're like plugging things in, here you go. That's like the authentication. And then you're trying to like make your requests on both sides. But I got my start there. And 
after I finished my various bits of education, I went into traditional finance at Goldman Sachs for a little bit, quickly made the, uh, the transition into fintech because that fits with me as a person a lot better. And that was where the API as an idea really entered my consciousness. My previous employer was a regulation tech company. And what they would do is basically do a file exchange with the people they were serving so that they could run analysis on their portfolio. And that was, of course, done either through a file upload or the preferred method, the API. Mm -hmm. And so once I found out about that, you know, I was troubleshooting this sort of things with the clients. And that's where I had to kind of like get used to the idea of an API. I mean, I'm playing around in Swagger, trying to figure out what a REST API means. I had some good laughs about that with a couple of my friends at that company. But once you start spending time with this stuff, it just opens up those creative bits of your brain. That's what my experience had been. There's a really great video by, I think it's Tom Scott, where it's called something like, this video has X number of views. And he just uses the API from YouTube to update that constantly. So that's just like a silly example of where these things show up, but it gets my brain going. And now coming all the way to Kodak, we've like reached full API potential where we literally are an API product. Um, and connections in data, connections anywhere, right? That's basically what powers so many things that we use every day. And that's why I love being at the part or at like at the heart of these connections between other businesses and their data. Yeah, so when I think about um, developer experience or DX and someone's kind of going through all of the stages of API discovery, um, a persona and you kind of being that persona, which is I'm just trying to learn or I'm very new to APIs. It's almost like the best API companies that did really intentional product design can help someone be set up to be successful. And I know that Kodat definitely knocks it out of the park and we'll talk a little bit about more but for you, when you think about the experience of discovering an API's capabilities and going through the documentation and even just getting the API keys, what are some of the companies that you have loved to interact with outside of Stripe that um, you think they're just doing a great job? So I've got two examples for you. And these are both very Kodat specific because this is the stuff that I'm basically using every day. Mm -hmm. Plaid and Intuit great okay. jobs on their APIs as far as I need to use them. So I think the defining characteristics of both of these are you can sign up yourself. You don't really need to go through some big process. It takes less than five minutes. Suddenly I've got a developer account. Good. We're in. Then I can start testing, making calls to the API to an actual set of data. So both of them do a really good job of providing me with some sandbox data that I can use. I love the Intuit QuickBooks Sandbox. This is like where I spend, I don't know, a couple of hours a week just playing around with things to see how we'll handle different scenarios and what our clients are going to be running into. Um, Plaid, similarly, they do this thing where they will give you a Sandbox data set if you need it, which <laughs> I know sounds you know like a low barrier to entry, but it's actually super helpful. So those are the yeah. kinds of things that differentiate in my head. I'm like, OK. I can actually go and use it, and you're giving me something to play around with, and I'm very happy at that point. I did a little bit of research just to throw in one other thing if someone else wants to pull on a thread. I don't know too much about these guys, but Marketa seems to be a very cool player coming up right now. I had a chance to talk to a couple of their guys at an event uh, a couple of months ago, but it seems like they're going to be doing some interesting stuff. Okay. 
And right now, you know, the time it's recorded is New York FinTech Week. And Kodak did sponsor a pretty important happy hour that I saw was sold out. And so let's say, for example, a young startup is there and they're coming to Matthew James and they're saying, what should we avoid? You just told us all of the great things to do, but what is something that we can do to, you know, really kind of be focused on just like, hey, don't make these mistakes. Some of the worst APIs I work with fail on these things. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, honestly, I got to go back to that first one. Don't not have sandbox data. Like, okay. it, I, it, I know I've said it twice now, but like, that just makes it so usable. Um, but to give some actual examples, I think if you can make the API as streamlined as possible, that is so helpful. And what I mean by that is, let's like kind of learn some mental model of your API and then don't change that too much. Whether that's like, um, you know, you can obviously break this up into segments. Like that's what we do with our API. We've got different endpoints that then kind of do things differently. But when you're interacting with the Kodak API, it kind of feels like one product. We've always got like similar kinds of objects together. I mean, this is like basic stuff, but don't mm -hmm. mess that up. Don't make people do a lot of context switching. Um, and the other thing is don't have outdated documentation. No one okay. dislikes it more than that. It's almost better to not have documentation than to have documentation which will lead your users in the wrong direction. Okay. Now thinking about, uh, so you know, still at happy hour, this fintech is you know just really eating up the Matthew James experience, and they're like, cool. What are some tools or vendors that you use, like in your daily life, um, that you love that you would just kind of recommend MPS hardcore? Oh yeah, I mean, there's the obvious answer, Postman. If you're doing anything API, like what are you doing if you don't have Postman? Um, okay. That's like the number one tool for me. I I love that thing. Live in that dark mode, Postman. Um, other than that, you know, there are so many tool sets that people can get up and running with, right? I could go maybe a little more specific on de depending what, but this is like getting into like a value thing too. Personally, I really love having things written down and well-documented, even if it's sort of like ways of working. And if you're a startup, you know, th that kind of thing is going to differentiate you for yourself in six months when you come back and try and remember what decisions you made to get somewhere. Um, so I love Notion. Huge fan of that. Um, I recommend everyone to be on there, just like kind of doing everything. I've got a work Notion, a personal Notion, um, full of API requests that I have made, full of things I have discovered that I need to do differently depending on end, uh, what endpoint I'm working with. So just doing like personal documentation is really big for me. Oh, that's cool. And the hacker in you is probably really enjoying that Notion API as well. So I haven't had a chance to play around with it yet, but I really do Ooh. need to. Okay. So you know, in this hypothetical example, um, something that I love about Kodad is the product marketing is top notch. And I've had an opportunity to meet uh, you know, the head of Kodad Design, super cool guy. And um, you can tell that the company puts an emphasis on storytelling. And so when thinking about companies that are API first and trying to even kind of break down what is possible with the API, but then also what is digestible, what are some examples of some companies that are doing great storytelling and in their product marketing? And you know, what would you kind of like recommend or you know, highlight there? Yeah, that is such a good observation. I mean, it it comes back to this like core principle that storytelling is really what we're kind of always doing. It's if I'm trying to sell something, 
this person wants to buy a story. Now, who's doing this well? I mean, there's some really great players out there. Um, I like to think we do it pretty well. <laughs> um, I agree. I agree. Thinking API specifically, I guess the people I've mentioned so far, but you know, there's just a lot going on in the space. I don't know if I could point to anyone specifically who's like really tying together storytelling and APIs for me, but I know that there's a lot of good stuff happening. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll plug Routable is one of my favorites. Uh, the crew over there is doing some really nice things with uh, API storytelling around accounts receivables and accounts payable. And then um, I've always loved Alpaca this API that allows, uh, you know, you can do that fractional trading and it's just a very focused thing. Yeah, so you get to tell an awesome story with it. Um, you know, thinking a little bit about solution design. Now, when I think about Kodak, it's like, I know Kodak accounting and you hit on kind of that core first problem to solve. You don't have to name customers on this, uh, but thinking a little bit about, you know, where you can go with API design. What are some cool things that Kodak customers are building now with the e-commerce um, extensions that are on there, the Plaid extensions, and starting to get a little bit outside of the accounting stack and more to in the business stack? Yeah, this is a great question. And we are certainly seeing the market kind of evolve to this because here's the difference between accounting and banking and commerce. Accounting is user-entered data, and it basically always will be, at least for the foreseeable future compare that to your banking or your commerce data that's like a transaction which has been recorded by some other third party so mm -hmm. there's that element that we're not relying on someone to go and update books this is like definitely driving and in some interest here so we've got revenue-based lenders they're always super interested in what's going on in the commerce platforms um we're working with some really interesting people there a couple of them end up being in new york city so we can both do some business and go out and have uh, have a nice time in the evening. Other things like that, I, I think a lot of people who are using accounting data want to get into this one day. So where I see this going is with some of the exciting stuff I mentioned, ESG, I think they want to get into that. That's still probably looking a little bit ahead, but that's going to be really big for them as an industry. And we are doing some new things actually to kind of take the accounting data and the banking slash commerce, do some do some melding together to see what we can do even better for our clients. So it's like, let's take that out, kind of take that context from accounting, plus that immutable data over here and try and merge that together. One other thing I'll mention is you also have some traditional players who are moving into this space. And it's always interesting to me when you have a traditional player, so either some sort of large FI or another kind of large tech company who's ready to innovate. And I've seen this specifically with a couple of our larger clients. They're actually thinking about how do I get into this kind of world of tomorrow? What if we just relied on the banking data? And that's kind of put us on notice to say, all right, if we're going to give this offering, what other value adds can we do? And so that's why we're kind of looking down that route I already mentioned of putting the two data sources together. The last thing I'll mention on this is you'd be, or I should say, I'm always surprised at how many people want to make data easier to use. So a business is running their Shopify store, as an example. There is a provider out there who's going to take your Shopify data and then kind of give you actionable insights out of it. And people are really interested in this kind of stuff too. Same thing with your cash flow from your bank account. It's kind of like when I get off work, I check my Mint account to see like, where's my money coming in, going out. And they're kind of like commercial versions of that for small business. So 
those are like the three areas I'm seeing a lot of movement right now. Now, um, you know, I have had the opportunity to be a Kodak customer um, and also uh, experience a little bit of the customer success strategy of Kodak, you know, led by Professor Andrew King, you know, former Stripe, and um, or he might be former Plaid. Former Plaid. Former Plaid, former Plaid. Can you, you get to work with customers all the time. You see kind of this, I'm excited, let's do it. And then there might be starts and stops along the way. And, you know, we have had the opportunity to talk with uh, Matt Tanner at Mosif. You know, they really focus on watching people through the API journey. But when you're thinking about Kodak customers, or anybody in general, what are some things that a customer success team can do or solutions design team can do to really help people see it all the way through to like being in production and getting that sweet value that uh, you know, the API is meant to offer? Yeah. So I've got a stakeholder idea and then a practical idea. So okay. first of all, you have to lead with value. If you're having a conversation with a stakeholder, I always assume that I'm going to be the last thing on their to-do list unless I fight for it. I need to fight for the right to be something they want to do. So I'm trying to talk to them in their business outcomes as much as possible. It's, you know, we're trying to accelerate your time to market here, or we're trying to save you time so that you get the integrations you need and you can go focus on other stuff. Always trying to put it in the terms that they will easily understand so that we can have a good partnership together. And then on a practical level, I think assigning things to each other in some sort of working document is always the best way to go. This can look like a table with, you know, five milestones that we want to hit before we get to go live. And then let's assign these to you. I want you to go do these things. Go enable the integrations, go test it. I'm going to provide you with a high-level solutions document. You give me some comments on it. And then after that, we go live. And obviously, those things are made so that you can make tweaks along the way. But if you have that framework and it's really clear in everyone's head, even if you kind of miss a deadline, you can always say, all right, let's get ourselves accountable back on that. How do we keep pushing this forward? That has been invaluable to, I think, especially stuff we've been doing over the last six months where we're trying to put this model in place. Yeah, shared accountability, making it a team win. You're kind of joining up in their team. And then I know that Kodat will do like a shared Slack connection. Um, and being part of like their their customers community, do you see a big difference in time to launch with with customers that really invite in almost like a project that's like, hey, we're going to go launch and having kind of a good cadence around communication, synchronous and asynchronous? I don't know if I see a direct impact on time to launch, but what I do see is stickiness for both parties. And that's kind of good for everyone, right? A client wants a partner that they can depend on. And mm -hmm. a shared Slack channel is a great way to build that trust and actually be there for them, right? It's not always the place where problems get solved, but you can always count on me being there to at least recognize it and then put it to the right channels. Any other actionable outcomes? I'm kind of thinking about that. Like, where do I see this actually playing out? I think mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, we all want to be human beings, right? And mm -hmm. it somehow is a bit easier to be a human being on Slack. I think that they've tried to do that at least. It's easier yeah. to send a message. I don't need to worry about my formatting. I'm not going to sign off best Matthew. Just like, hey, like, uh, you still coming to the call today? Like, what's up? Uh, and then the, the guy I messaged, he was like, oh, yeah, sorry. Just had some audio visual issues. And then he was on. That, is that that's your just like nice. Is that your best? Are you, are you a best? I'm a best. 
sincerely now, is out UK, for me. There's a UK office. You don't jump in with the cheers. Um, if I know that I'm talking to a cheerser, then I can definitely throw in a cheers. Right. You always you always got to, like I said, think about what that person is that you're communicating with. Try and get myself in their mindset. OK. And so for my last question, you just had your two year anniversary at Kodak. So what do you th feel like Matthew James in his first 90 days at Kodak? What did you learn kind of about yourself that you're applying, you know, for this kind of next chapter, you know, like say for your next two years? All right. We're doing some time travel. One of my favorite pastimes. So me, when I stepped into Kodat, I like to think, I this probably happens whenever you get into a new job, but I was definitely kind of really excited. I, there's some phrase for this. It's something about like a, a rabbit, like a bunny. You know, I was like really, really excited to be to be there. Um, and I'm lucky that Kodat is a great company because the process has not been me getting jaded, right? It's the process of like me maturing a little bit. Um, and understanding what kinds of things you need to push on. So I've had a really great appreciation of how different teams can be super committed to their mission. And sometimes that doesn't really line up with each other. Like just take the classic example of the product, like product machine and the sales machine. They're pointed mm -hmm. in two different directions, but really they're working at their best when they commit wholeheartedly to that but they're able to still disagree and collaborate. And I've really seen that come across a lot in myself over the last two years. I think I've become a lot more comfortable with that idea. And a lot of that has to do with the great people I work with, but I think that's gonna be something I'm gonna take away for a long time. I mean, there's a lot of other things too. Go check out my LinkedIn post on it, <laughs> but uh, that's definitely one that sticks out. Okay, well, Matthew, thank you for being on Behind the API. And I hope you survived the last day of New York FinTech. Kirby, thanks for having me. This has been a blast.